Shafee. Shafee, uh, welcome back. What was the number when I texted you? 23. That's what I thought. How about 37 all-time downloads? What? Hello, hello, hello to everyone out there in One Magical Nation. It's time once more for One Magical Hour. The sun has set here in Austin, Texas, out on Matthew's back porch. I'm very excited to tell you, One Magical Nation, and to you, Matthew. I did, I went by the house today, and I specifically went out on the back porch to check on the birds at Build the Landlord's Bird Feeder. And there were three or maybe even four emerald green parrots out there waiting for me, hanging out. I took a picture, I put it on the Facebook page, just for you guys. Uh, we miss miss those birds. Miss I did I actually got ran into Bill the landlord. Got to chat with him. Miss him too. Uh, place looks great. I'm getting real excited about. Really fired up about. Uh, probably two weeks from now when I might be able to sort of move back in there. But meanwhile, I'm very fired up about episode 112, if I'm not mistaken, of One Magical Hour. Uh, we got all kinds of uh, fun stuff coming up to you. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about some long past movies and films. We're going to talk about maybe some new movies and films. We're going to discuss weird old videos from times before. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Brian, who is in a in a continued feud with Brian. Uh, and but uh, first, we're going to have the uh, the introduction of our old friend. He is a cartographer of the new age. He is the pride of Tarzana, California. He has mandibles like the predator. He's Matthew Rampy. A modern day bastard, mean, mean stride. Today's podcaster, mean, mean pride. Though we can't afford the rent, don't put us down as arrogant. Our desire, a potent offense. Talking about the day's events. The MacBook. <laughs> Download us just for the company. So put it lonely in society. Catch the mist. Catch the gist. Catch the castry. Catch the drift. Wait, you ready? <laughs> the topic is the topic is arts and entertainment. Maybe making jazz with our words. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that song. I love that parody. That was very, uh, that was a very in-depth parody. You like, you really took it all the way down to the studs and rebuilt it as an I've entirely I've been trying to do that song. for the most part. Did yeah. you, did you hear the Nelly parody the, the last yeah, time? No, yeah, it was, that was impressive <laughs> it too. It was, uh, it was uh, instructive. I, yeah, like I, it. I don't know. I, like I, it. I don't know. It's just coming easier and easier to just... I just grab the lyrics yeah. from the song I'm thinking about. I just copy and paste, and then I go to work. I De have... De deconstructing and reconstructing. I have a very interesting relationship with that song. I, I like Rush. Yeah, let's talk about it. I like Rush. There was real, There was a time in my this life... This might be the Rush episode. episode there's a time in my life when I kind of thought I was too cool for prog rock, and that's really lame. 
you know, it's a bad attitude. Uh, you know, you know, there's there is something kind of there is something kind of flamboyant about you know their that uh, you know kind of over the top uh, production value, you know, and all that stuff. But that's fine. I, in fact, it's a lot of fun if you if you're just willing to go along with it for the ride and not you know sit around being too cool for yourself, which is just what I did for like the a large part of my young life. Uh, did, but, uh, we, did we talk about Rush already in Prog Rock Brain Fog? <laughs> I don't think we did, actually. I don't think so, so either. Uh, we, had a, we had a Prog Rock episode. Oddly enough. It didn't, uh, inc- it, it didn't elicit any Rush talk, but go ahead. Somewhere in my late 30s, I just started to kind of realize that it's just so much fun. You know, if you just like everything... If find the reason to like everything, then you're always going to have more fun. You're always going to you're always going to like everything. Yeah, and that's it. Requires so it's it's so much easier than hating everything, and just uh and and just more fun. Uh, anyway, you can respect everything without liking it. Too. Yeah, sure, that's fine. You can yeah, you, you can, can garner that, that, a respect for something like me with country music make later that, in life. Sure, you can make that distinction. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you're still kind of being a pain in the ass about it, though. Of course. Uh, that's what I, you know. that was the job, right? And I think that, yeah. And I think a lot of people uh, kind of like being a pain in the ass, but like, it's really, you're just, you're just limiting yourself, you know. Are you being a pain in the ass if you're hating on everything? Yeah. Yeah. And you're limiting yourself and you, you know, you're, you're really like, you're just telling people that like, I'm not willing to see things through your mind, you know? And so a lot of this like kind of underscores the big problems that we're all having, you know, as a culture. So. Whoa, 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 buddy. Isn't this an <laughs> arts and entertainment podcast? I don't, uh, sorry. Uh, anyway, Rush. This has never just been a, a plain old arts and entertainment podcast. Rush. We always go deep on the problems of the world. Tom Sawyer is, is, a, lot of, is a lot of fun. But yeah, like I said, I, I used to be a little snobby about it. And I remember once we were, uh, we were driving down to Atlantic City for Scott Castell's bachelor party. Wild. Epic. Wild. Was that an epic one? It was, it was, it was. <laughs> One for the books. It was classic. Wow. You know, exactly what you, you know, what you'd imagine. But, uh, we were, we were listening to the classic rock station and Tom Sawyer came on and I was laughing at it. I was making fun of it. Like, I, you know, I pulled up lyrics. I was like, what do these lyrics even mean? You know, and I read through it and I was like, you know, this, this is so silly. And then I remember like we went all night long and like over the next, you know, over the next 20 hours or so, the craziest things happened. We got lost in casinos. I, uh, I was, I was making fun of our friend TJ for betting on the slot machines. And I was like, TJ, when you go, if you're going to do these slot machines, you got to go big. I slid 20 bucks into the slot machine. I played bet it all. And I immediately won $1,500. <laughs> I was really embarrassed. Um, but that proceeded to like allow us to like. I learned to play pie gal that night, and then forgot. And uh-huh. like we like like I said, we got we got lost at one point. TJ couldn't figure out what what casino we were at, and then Lucas and I realized that we weren't sure either. We were like, "Are we at are we at the one where we're staying, or are we at the one where we went to later?" We're like we're not even sure. Uh, but uh, at some point, like kind of, there were like a few different. Uh, People were staying in a few different rooms. And at some point, I split off. And it was right as the sun was rising over the boardwalk in Atlantic City. We're still talking about Rush here? And I 
I was, uh, you know, I was still like just fired up from, you know, a wild night, even though I was, you know, spaghetti brain and, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I take my clothes off. I pull my phone out. I look at my phone, which I had really hadn't done in like 20 hours. And the lyrics to Tom Sawyer were still on. Like I say, sun's <laughs> rising over to the boardwalk. And I stood there in my boxer shorts in my, this crazy, crazy state of mind. And I looked at the lyrics to Tom Sawyer. And I discovered to my horror that they made perfect sense to me. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But it it, it, it You just found that dimension. I man. That dimension myself. was like right there beside you like the, the whole time. Exact perfect uh, state of mind. And, uh, you know, and I've, I've really liked, liked Rush ever since. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this song. I have a totally different relationship. Sorry. Sorry, folks. We just, I pulled up the lyrics and we were just uh, reading them. Um, and like, I don't, I don't, day, I, like, I, I don't know what the song's about. Yeah. But I know what it feels like. And it is about like, a, you know somebody who's um against society maybe right like uh yeah not an outcast but a, but a, a rebel yeah uh, 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 what's another word yeah for it? so looking at these these lyrics right now matthew pulled up the lyrics and we're looking at him like i would say like yeah we could i could say oh, oh this song is about this this but like it was different that that morning, like everything, like made perfect sense. Dude, and, this makes to me. I, okay, I'll, let me just read one, one verse. Yeah. No, his mind is not for rent to any god or government. Always hopeful yet discontent. He knows changes aren't permanent, but change is. Uh, dude, I, I don't know. It's yeah. pretty good. Uh, I, so I have a totally different relationship with Rush. Yeah. Rush was, there were some guys at my church, uh, Jim Walker and Jeff Rourke. They graduated from Lubbock High like four years before us. And they were maybe, you know, they were older than us. And like, they loved this music and gave me a great love for it. And then, in fact, I, my first big concert was rush in lubbock a roll the bones tour at the lubbock coliseum did you go to that no i remember landon thorpe and joel cohen went i saw i was with my church friends and uh vimi and uh nihat and i think kyle and some other hutch people were mm -hmm. in a row in front of me yeah i remember seeing them it's funny um you know great show and and then I don't know. I, I love Rush and maybe not. Do I love pro? Maybe I just love prog rock. You know, that same year. I got the prog rock brain fog. That same year at the Lubbock Municipal Auditorium, I saw Bob Dylan. Up train. And that, unfortunately, was terrible. Or was. Like, is it because Bob Dylan is, is an insufferable prick? No, I mean, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he definitely, he phoned it in. He came out. However, it was the only time that I've seen him that he, he was playing guitar. And when I say that, I don't think Alex Battles is Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, no, I, I love Bob Dylan. I love Bob Dylan then. I love him now. I've seen him 
I think four times, or maybe I guess it's three times. Two of them were two of the worst shows I've ever seen, and one of them was one of the best shows I've ever seen. So I was able to catch him on a good on a good night, fortunately, um, and that was that was really cool. And then the one of those bad nights was at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, and he played Visions of Johanna. So that to me was cool too, just getting to see that song. I love that song. I mean, you uh, can of course relate, like being on tours, like doing a podcast, you gotta like perform at a specific time. I mean day after day. Yeah. And make it happen. You know, there's up there's ups and downs. And he's definitely always had very complicated, a complicated relationship with his audience, you know. And yeah. it's, it's particularly the the kinds of people who would go see him again and again. Like he doesn't necessarily, I think, trust those people. <laughs> he's like he's kind of said that like those aren't exact exactly the people that I'm necessarily writing songs for, which is funny. But uh, uh, and you know I, I kind of understand it though too, like because those are the people who have created this myth that he is uncomfortable with, you know, and that's like you know he doesn't like being someone's idea of Bob Dylan. Okay. He'd rather just be Bob Dylan, and that's like it's the you know it's the really obsessive folks who like break it down and you know kind of like like force, they you know, pigeonhole him yeah exactly uh-huh. and it, like and this is a problem like these are the people who like called him judas when he plugged his guitar in you know like uh-huh. it's it's not like it's those, not like he doesn't the, have like those so, are like the folk faithful yeah okay i'm a little like not hip to that scene. It's it's kind of a I'm it's not, kind of a I'm weird not, thing. Dylan doesn't particularly excite me. Yeah. I certainly respect him as an artist, but yeah. uh, you'll never catch me like bumping the Dylan. I don't think. But that, yeah. that's just, I, you know, I'm more prog rock than folk rock, mm. or folk before it. Yeah. Um. So hey, we're doing a podcast here. Um, well, I did. <laughs> I'm glad we got a chance to. Was that twenty minutes? Catch of up. A... <laughs> I, I do want to keep talking about music, though. Um, okay. Wait, that's not the right tempo for us. That's that's ridiculous. That is not it. It's this, right? Uh, Matthew, I'd like that? to report that my sister-in-law. Or is it like this? Maybe it's not like that. We were like at about 86. We're grooving. Okay. I'd like to report to you that my sister-in-law and I watched The Mysterious Benedict Society. Oh, you did. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to get my uh, deets to you. Enjoyed it quite a bit. No, yeah, we found Um, it. uh, Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Wait, and when you say you watched it, you've seen the season now? Yeah, we pretty much binged all over two nights. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff, right? Yeah. But not with the kids. Everything about you said about it was true. It's exactly uh, right. No, not with the kids. Yeah, we just the two. The kids don't watch a whole lot of TV. Um, okay. Like when they do, it's a special occasion. Like we watched, uh, we watched a Pixar movie last weekend, and like you know, made a big deal. My kids might average like an hour of TV a day, and that's fine. And when and they, some of that is me watching TV with them. When they mostly do it, it's it's generally in the morning while the parents are still asleep. They're allowed to watch. Uh, cartoons in Spanish. Okay. And so that's right. like, and I think that's a good way of doing it. That's brilliant. Yeah. And then, and that way it's not like, it's not like fetishized in a family way. Not like every night we're all going to, you know, sit down and watch this. I, you know, I think, which is fine if that's. We, we wind down with a little TV. That's fine. Because that's again, fine. If, if you'll recall in our, 
discussion about Three's Company, I admitted that I was raised by TV. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a, you know, I enjoy, I it, it's pretty limited for me these days, but I, I, I enjoy I think, watching my stories. I uh, think, you know, like always there. Uh, having a little bit of day and then, you know, and then going and do something else is great because I think, like, you know, I love the fact that my parents decided not to have a TV for a large part of my life, but Should it made done. me covet it. Like, I, when we get rid of the TV, can I use you as a reason, an example? Sure. <laughs> but uh, but honestly, man, TV was something that I like wanted so bad and my friends had and I didn't have. And that, like, Did you let your parents know about that from time to time? No, I never did. No, you didn't? God, you were a good kid. Uh, yeah. My kids are I really wasn't much of a complainer. Wow. That's fantastic. I, I hear there are people like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think it's much better for your kids to tell you what you're thinking so that you guys can talk about it. And that's, yeah. And not, I have, we are not have, just quietly see this sure. bizarre. Sure. I, de- I definitely, craving. I definitely have a more open, uh, new age, uh, relationship with my kids than I did with my parents. I think pretty sure. Anyway, um, I wanted to mention, Oh yeah. I, I wanted to mention, Brian Benitez and the ContraZoom mixtapes. Yeah. That music, it's speaking of prog rock, like it's so technical and the lyrics are so interesting. Yeah. And uh, we f- we closed the last show, episode 111, with a track called A Fine Life. And I love this track. Have you listened to it? That, Perf- yeah. Carefully? Yeah. Uh, particularly, I've always, you know, I've been a fan of everything Brian has sent, sent us. But those last three tracks, yeah. these really new ones that he's working on, Next they level. are something, yeah, particularly special, I think. Really, really wild and really just epic and expansive, but also dynamic, you know. And they, so original yeah. and um, mixing of sounds and uh, also change I of pace. Think. There'll be like change of tempo and stuff, right? Just, let me know if you Brian's feel like, be like there's no change of tempo. Uh, let, me feel, let me know if you feel like this. I feel like also even just with his voice. Like he's kind of using a more natural voice uh, lately, or maybe just whatever he's doing. It sounds like he's much more comfortable with it. Um, it just a, it just sounds mature in a really it's good just way. Mature yeah. track laying down. Yeah, you know, and it, it and it makes sense. You know, they say uh, they say you got to do something ten thousand times to be good at it or whatever. We're just on one twelve. And yeah, but I mean, he's, he's literally written and recorded thousands of songs at this point. Yeah. So it makes sense that you would be particularly good at it. And it shows. So congratulations. Yeah. Brian, keep making music, bro. Keep and, making it, keep um, sending it to us. We'll keep playing it. We'll go out with another ContraZoom mixtape track today. And, uh, and enjoying it. Yeah. So stoked. And all, all of, uh, all of our other listeners too. I know Alex has been, uh, recording some stuff lately, working on some stuff. Um, I'm not sure what Milty's up to, but I was thinking that we might try to get him on again. Uh, yeah, uh, if you feel like sending us uh, music, we would love to listen to it and talk about it on here and play it on the show, share it with our approximately 200 listeners. Uh, worth uh, Worth checking out, I think. We've closed with a lot of Milty tracks. Yeah. Yeah. That right. Studio City album. I was leaning heavily on that oh, for that's a long a time. Then great they, record. 
of course you don't you and no one else actually too <laughs> you and everyone else don't listen to the end of the show but there have For been some enough, reason I almost never make it to the but radio. there have been a number of times where at the very end I, I feel like I've matched the track with the mood cool. so well that's great you'll have to go back maybe you'll just go back and listen to the ends of the yeah. shows one of these days <laughs> that would be a great use of your time right um Shafi, have you ever noticed that there's nothing new under the sun? <laughs> I I have occasionally noticed that. Oh. Uh, I, in fact, today I was just hearing about the Doogie Howser reboot happening uh, yes. on Disney. Uh-huh. It's a good example. Well, uh, but that show sounds like a lot of fun, by the way. The robot is like on its. The robots have. Oh, trouble. robot! The robot is really—it's got a short in where it goes. Good night, with, sweet robot. <laughs> stop it! It's going to come back alive. <laughs> in a yes. Well, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I did want to mention a reboot that we started watching. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, Turner and Hooch show. Really? <laughs> it's a. It, it's a self-exclaimed uh, comedy. <laughs> comedy family coming of age procedural oh wow yeah it's quite the mashup that's of a lot of genres <laughs> um it is and it is actually you're like oh what is this are they just gonna like redo the story or something no it's it's turner's son wow who is a co- now also a cop in san francisco and is it also hooch's son i think it is hooch's <laughs> progeny <laughs> i do believe so I think that the um, the dad, the Tom Hanks character, uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's like not, it's ha- not Colin think, Hanks, isn't it? Because that would be awesome. No, it's not. It's not Colin. Love Hanks. Colin Hanks. No, the kid who plays Turner. I almost can't watch the show because of him. Oh yeah. Like I, he just sort of bugs me. There's nothing really specific about him, but like, <laughs> I don't think he's a great actor and. But, I mean, great actor. The show's a little, like, thin on, um, like, it is a classic procedural, you know, but all this, like, cute zaniness in it. Uh I've only seen three episodes in, and after the first one, I was like, I'm not going to, this show is terrible. And we, Isabel was like, oh, I love it. Let's, so we sat down to watch another one. (sighs) And the second one was an homage to Die Hard. Wow. Like the things started happening. There were these hostages in a hotel and he had his, he was, he had been babysitting the uh, Olympic committee chair's daughter and he had spilled something on his, on his suit jacket and he had taken his suit jacket off and he was in like his tank top and sort of wife beater tank top and slacks. And then stuff started happening. That was like, I was like, Oh, that's like Die Hard. And then it was like, obviously like Die Hard. Uh And then I was like, Oh, this show's cute. This yeah. is kind of cute. Wow, so it won you over with the... So on the second episode, it won me over then. The third episode, I was like, Ugh, I don't know about this show, <laughs> but we'll <laughs> see. Um, I, this one is already looking low on the avocados. So um, don't, I, don't, I'm not telling anybody to go watch this show. Let me just be clear about that. It would have, it would have taken... It would have taken an extremely positive review for, for me to put the Turner and Hooch reboot on my list. I'm not sure I ever saw the movie. You know what? I'm not super familiar with the movie right. either. And if we, I did, I have forgotten about and it. And Amy completely. has fond feelings about it. Oh, yeah. And we turned it on. And immediately it's 
it's either PG or PG 13 and it's like eighties PG, you know, like there, like it, it was immediately the movies of dick jokes. It, it was adult themes yeah. right away. We were like, mm, maybe this isn't, we had turned that off. Huh? We, we are not afraid to be, to start watching something and be like, this is inappropriate and turn it off. And they go mental. <laughs> but I, but what I'm learning here is that we watch too much TV. We let, I let my kids watch too much TV. I, I think maybe. I it's, don't know. It's funny when people forget how different the 80s were. I remember my mother with, it was when Gracie's kid Ian was, I think, probably about seven or eight years old. Um, so this is like just old enough to know, uh, you know, know that, you know, Humor about your private parts was, you know, off Maybe color. Inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, and my mom made the, this huge deal about how he'd never seen Goonies and how he had to watch Goonies. And, uh, and you know, I, I, didn't, I, I remembered it just being like a, like a fun adventure show. I don't have quite as fond memories as some people seem to, but I, I liked it oh, just Goonies. fine. Yeah. yeah. But I had forgotten about, like, there's a whole thing in there where they break this naked statue and they glue the dick back on upside down. Oh, uh, like that's like central to like the whole first 15 minutes of <laughs> right, the show. It's right. just like that. And I think they use the word dick a whole bunch. Yeah. And you know, I was like, whoa. There's a lot of kids. Was like, that that movie was a little, um, PG. Uh, a little and my mom was just cause there was horrified with herself. Cause she had been like, you, we're gonna, you're gonna love this movie. This is my favorite movie. Everything about this movie is great. We're gonna sit down and watch it right now as a family. <laughs> did she? I was just like, did she turn it off? Did you? No. Plow, y'all plowed through. No, plowed through. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's probably not worse for the wear. No, definitely not. Yeah. I, uh, I like. How often? I mean, have you been pretty good about, like, how often do you, like, come across something that you're like, well, like, the fact that my kids saw this, or if my kids were to accidentally see this, like, it would actually, like, negatively affect them for some reason. Like, obviously, you try to avoid horror stuff and violence, and, you know, yeah, I, really scary would, stuff. But, like, what? there's a different line. Have you seen The Boys? For the... Oh, yeah. It's like... <laughs> It's just hyper vi graphic violence. No, that's, and that's, I, I watched that recently, and I'm a little, still a little disturbed that's by disturbing some for me. graphic yeah. violence I saw in the boys. Oh, man. Yeah, it's pretty horrific. Yeah. So the, when I see that stuff, I'm definitely like, oh, man, I don't want my kids watching this. But then, and then, like, there's then, all, course, like, the, the weird 80s stuff that's very, like, it was all, like, an entire plot of a movie would be motivated on, you know, Getting your either getting rid of your yeah getting rid of your virginity or like taking the virginity of a female like to the point where like like some of it is basically like I would say the central plot of both Revenge of the Nerds and Animal House is basically date rape you know like and I, I like to the point where like I wouldn't I wouldn't ever want you know my nieces or nephews to watch those movies. And then, you know, and they're not funny for me anymore. And and like, yeah, Animal House, which I once considered like an all-time pillar of comedy. I don't really like, know that movie. Well, it's like I, you know, I think you're better for it, honestly. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. 
I mean, the world has changed, my friend. Yeah, it's just, We've yeah. We've talked it's just a lot about that. College right people acting space. shitty. Yeah. Yeah, the things, concepts that were interesting to us in the 80s somehow, they don't fly anymore. It's just interesting to me, like, I, you know, you want to make sure that, I want to make sure that my niece and nephew are totally protected from anything like that. And I know, like, they won't be, but still, like, all you can do is try. They won't be. That's like the governor saying that he's going to get rid of rapists. And it's just like, that's not going to happen. You can't like, keep you can't keep the horrors of the world from your kids. But if, like, They're going to see it all. Everybody raises their kids to you know, their particularly their little boys to like not not, not be into not date feel rape. like they're less of a man if they if they haven't had sex for some reason. Not feel like you know like anything in the world is theirs for the taking. You know. Right. Like that's all that's where it starts, definitely is our relationship with these young people. Rewiring a better society. Yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah. Just in time for American civilization to fall and the next one to it's looking a little <laughs> iffy, brah. And some other <laughs> some other patriarchal society that's been repressing women for millennia can can take over and it's September tenth everything back up again. Tomorrow's 20 years since 9-11. I think the terrorists have won, right? It's, it's, In terms of uh, helping to destabilize the country. and, and Yeah, and, depending on what, yeah. Yeah, by many metrics they have, it's true. It's also probably a year since what I would consider like our first really good episode. Oh, yeah. Which I remember being our, our 9-11 episode. Episode 7, yeah. You're telling of your experience and like we didn't, I didn't really know that we were going to do that when we started. That's just kind of how it ended up. Just like this one. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think we were going to talk about child rearing. <laughs> now the, I'm like really, I don't know. We, I also, I do a lot of things with my kids that other people don't do. We, we don't have a game console. We've yeah. got an old. We have an old Super NES. That we play a little bit, but it's not the kind of console where you just get sucked in and you're there for hours. And I wish, I wish I had one of those. I actually, I plugged my PlayStation in since I've been living. So while the while the gang was up in Durango, I plugged my PlayStation, and when they came back, uh, I've been, I've been kind of waking up early with the kids and like cooking them pancakes and stuff, and then hanging out with them, and then I let so I let Dick and Kathleen sleep in, and then I go back and take a little nap after the they've woken up and they're just. They're so appreciative of that, like not having like kids bouncing them out of bed at 7 a.m. Dude, one of the most difficult things is the relentless nature of, especially when they're very young, they just get up super early. There's yeah. no such thing as sleeping in. We're at a point now where we can sleep in a bit. So, I, I remember a friend of mine when my kids were super young, uh, a friend of mine, uh, actually Christine Lemmert, who owned Romeo's, Jazz and Christine. They had older kids, and she said the real next level moment is when you can just they can get up and fix their own breakfast, oh. and you can just stay in bed. That's really when you've put in the work. And it's, it's like any good investment. There's a lot of upfront work. And actually, Dick and Kathleen have been really good about uh, they they've raised the reared, reared the kids well, and that like they do they leave out the cereal and the bowls and stuff. And they come down, and they put that on, and then they, they, uh, they watch you know one of their cartoons in Spanish, 
But that's still like, because they, they'll come down at like 6.30 in the morning. Right. So by like For sure. 7.15 maybe, they've they've watched, you know, 15 minutes of Blue's Clues. They've had some cereal. And then they're fighting, you know, and then that's when, right. you know. That's when you got to go address the problem. Yeah. And so. Yeah. So that's what. So, yeah. And even though, you know, they're the way Dick and Kathleen's schedules work, like they're probably not going to sleep too much longer than 8.30 anyway. Like, even oh, yeah. if they're just allowed to. No, but, now, to me now, sleeping in is 8 a.m. Yeah, so then like... If I get to sleep till 8. Then being able to wander out on the road at 9 o'clock seems to be huge for them. So. Yeah, well, that's nice. That is a... But it has been fun for me to... Uh, I do wish that I had... Some, it's been interesting to watch Dottie figure out, you know, the two-stick system, you know, on the PlayStation controller. Like, it's pretty complicated. And uh, you're right. Yeah, we have a, a there couple, is a lot going on. I don't think a, I ever got to that level of of a controller that has so many multiple buttons for yeah, each hand. Where you're you know you're moving with one, you're controlling the camera with the other, mm. you know. And then there's there's about a dozen more buttons, you know. Yeah. And uh, and you know it took her like the first day she like couldn't do it at all, but they're a joy watching. I have these like kind of fun games where like cartoons kind of run through mazes and stuff they're very simple and fun uh you know kind of weird um you're generally japanese games um huh. and you know and they love watching me do it but then like uh she, but but even just the third day she was she was already getting much better like they definitely they definitely can figure it out it's interesting to watch the brain work yeah like the first day doing one thing with your left thumb and doing the other thing with your right thumb, but doing it at the same time was completely beyond her, huh. you know, but by day three, she was like, I was like, yeah, she could run up to something and jump while still running, you know? Yeah. Humans can learn. Yeah. It is cool seeing kids figure stuff out. It's, it's still cool figuring stuff out of this age. Yeah. I love like picking up something new Oh, and training my brain and, Golf was that for me at a certain age where I was like adrift, didn't know what to do. I wanted to try something I, I had no, you know, I had no skill at and just like figuring it out, just going out there and hacking at a ball. And then, uh, you break your muscles down and you, you know, you're, and then it feels terrible. And then like the next time you go out, you're like, Oh, right. Okay. That feels a little better. And it's over and over. Yeah. It's fun. It's good for you. I hope to continue to, I hope to be a lifelong learner. I, that phrase bothers me. He's <laughs> <coughs> making fun of that, but. Yeah, it's the nature no, it's, of being a human on this earth, isn't it? It is. I'm so upset that the robot's not in action. It's really hampering Speaking this of episode. Which I, I've dropped off on the Esperanto les lessons again. Oh, you're not learning Esperanto? Uh, I just, I think I, I did like two lessons and then already it's back on the back burner. Did we. Did we ever wrap that up on the podcast? Yeah, I know. I never we did. Promised, deep dive we promised a lot of stuff into, with Esperanto. Uh, into Esperanto. It yeah, didn't kinda, come through. The whole thing ended up on the back burner, I guess. Uh, well, That's the way it goes sometimes. You know, sometimes, sometimes the back burner is just the burner in your rear view mirror. <laughs> you know? But the back burner is always right there. You can always bring it up right. to the front burner again. Right. You know. Yeah, of course. It's right there. Uh, speaking of which... The new oven has been installed in my house. Oh, nice. 
and it's got one of those, it's got like the four gas burners, but then it has that the center long thing. one in the middle for like a griddle. Oh, yeah. A grill. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. That seems super fancy to me compared <laughs> to what I had before. I'm sure. Does so. Manish have one of those? I think he does. Actually, I don't think so. Is there not like some little center grill in his range top? No, because I had I, I took my cast iron grill when I lived with him. Yeah, and I had that on top there. Well, cast iron is very important. Yeah, yeah, love me some cast a lot iron. Of, a lot of things happen in the cast iron. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I want to keep the topic weird. Okay, I've got a weird thing to um. Do 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 beep. One magical nation. I wish you could have seen that. That I mean, I'm sure it was funny to listen to, but why are you scatting? Good with like the. <laughs> why are you jazz scatting right now? And gestures, really <laughs> something special. Let me tell you, <laughs> I miss I miss my robot. It's terrible. So I um, don't. I can. I want Matthew Jazz no, between no. every section. I don't think anybody wants on. any more of that. So I came, yo, yo, yo. I came across. Do you remember music videos? I do. Fondly. On TV and there were music videos that were big real artists making music. I suppose there still are. People are still making music videos, but yeah. But in the eighties, it was. Have you seen the video for WAP? <laughs> no. It is. No. Awesome. But I'm, I'll. I'll Certainly get to that <laughs> as soon as we're done here. Definitely after the um, right for sure. Um, and I usually have my, I, I usually am hip to those things, but <laughs> I at least knew what you meant. Um, so what I want to talk about is David Bowie's video music video for the song China Girl. Mm -hmm. It is like surrealist theater, my friend. I'm looking at your description of it that you've now, written down me, here right now, and I don't think that I've seen it. Let me let me ask you this. I think I think I should play it, but I don't think we can play it on the podcast, <laughs> right? Like we can't play the song "China Girl," right? You mean because we don't have the rights to it? Yeah. Also, I'm I'm going to play it without the without the volume, and and you're going to watch it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. First, there's this weird graphic overlay image of the China girl, and she's wearing a very strange sort of thing. And then there's these barbed oh, wire, the animated and barbed then there's wire. this other like border overlay that looks way more Celtic than or, Chinese. I was gonna say Mayan. Oh, yeah, or okay, Aztec. but totally out of uh, totally out of place, right? Yeah. And this is a song that Iggy Pop wrote for a girlfriend of his. Yeah. So then you got David Bowie singing to you, of course, and then. And he's singing about his China girl and how much he loves her. Uh -huh. And then, and then there's some double exposure, like o Olin Mills portrait photography, right? Okay, yeah. There's like I the like there's like an image of the China girl uh, close and David Bowie in the background, and then his hand comes up and gently caresses her face. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's very. There's some sensual stuff here. And now there's Bowie cr crooning this to us in like, the double exposure. Like one of those late night. It's weird. Record okay, is. now where are we? We're in a desert, maybe the Gobi Desert. The China girl is <laughs> carrying a banner with a red flag, and she's running across the desert. And then back to Olin Mills' double exposure, and it's just like two lovers just making funny faces at each other. And look at Bowie 
First Whoa. thing, he's so weird anyway with his heterochromia, heterochromia, uh, and then he. Listeners, this he, is like this little like precious. He pulled his eye back into Chinese eyes. It okay. First thing, everything <laughs> about this video is racist. You don't even have to ask. Now we're in a Chinese, Chinese food restaurant, restaurant, like a noodle house, and they're they're again like being like playful and coy with each other. They're sort of on a date, and then we're back in the desert. Is this Gobi? Look at these two guys. What do you got here? You got one guy. I'm, I'm pausing the video now. Yeah. You got one guy in top hat and tails and a tuxedo, full ascot top hat and tails. And you got another guy that looks like kind of a French foreign legion or... Seems to be some sort of commentary on British colonialism, British, perhaps. It's, it is like imperialism, colonialism. So then they're walking up to the body of the, the, the China girl she's laying down. And then in sort of backwards, they the guy in top hat and tails my, pantomimes killing her. With a gun to her yeah. head, right? Weird scene. Yeah. Now we're back in a city, and we've got sepia tones, like the date. We got the we've got like this Melbourne weird. We got a, this, that was Australia. that was Sydney, right? Yeah. And um, the the Sydney, yeah. the China girl is is overlaid again with the red banner. We got a cellist on a dock. <laughs> the upright bass on a dock, right? Obviously. Now we got Bowie. He's looking like uh, he's looking like the Beastie Boys sabotage video, or maybe he's looking like um, uh, uh, Liam Neeson and Taken. He's like he's he's <laughs> right, looking. Yeah. He's desperately searching for somebody, right? He's running through alleyways, and he finds at. At the, at the entrance to a restaurant, another noodle house, the China girl. Mm -hmm. She's holding a bowl of hot steaming Chinese noodles, right? Yeah, she now is. Now Bowie's going to run up to her and grab the bowl. Wow. And then he's going to just toss the bowl of noodles up in the air. Is and and this, is, it's, this is so he's, I, he's symbolically freeing her from the bondage of colonialism. She, then her clothing changes from peasant... Uh, Chinese uh, foreign worker to like a Chinese royal court, right? Indeed, like that she's does. in the emperor's yeah, right. court now, sure, yeah. or or she's the princess. And then there's some very passionate kissing. <laughs> I think I encourage every, all the listeners to actually be playing China Girl while we're talking about this in the background. And I, I, I encourage everybody to go watch this weird, weird. Yeah. Now, well, look at this scene. Now, China Girl's back at home. She's laying in bed. Show, is show that a, a nightmare? Is that, about wait a thing? second. Is Bowie just sipping uh, apple juice from a juice box yeah, here? A juice box, all right. And yeah. then I believe the portrait of him on the bedside table just came to life and winked at him <laughs> as she woke up from a dream. And then it's so funny and playful all of a sudden. And he just like jumps on top of her, just like, oh, China girl. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you upset that I brought this to your attention? No. Uh, everything about this has been now there's some more now there's some more playful face to face. I'm sorry that I had to describe it for the podcast <laughs> listeners <laughs> while you were watching it. You probably could have drawn your own inferences, but instead I was torturing you with describing it. They're just face to face and just and then she's like a fire dragon. She's like blowing fire in, in a, a weird overlay. It, it was funny what they used to do in music videos with just using the technology they had. And then the video wraps up with them 
on the beach, possibly naked. You can't. It's it. The shot is far away, and then just some real up close, passionate kissing, and then some ads for the next Bowie video coming up on YouTube. I get rid of those. Go back to the video, and then the barbed wire right at the end again. That's. Uh, well, that was yeah. a real, that was a real yeah. journey, no doubt. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, I like I wrote it all out, and but and then and then I watched the video. Like, there's a lot of videos from that time period that are you know that are weird and silly and cheap looking, but that one has a level of weirdness that is. Uh... You know, we talked about um, let's dance. Right, and which was also an Australian setting. It was. It's like in the outback, and he he's playing at this like yeah at this bar in the outback, and and then it's like this this Aboriginal, these two Aboriginal people, and then there's this like commentary about society and nuclear war. The the Aborigines see the mushroom cloud off in the distance, and like it's like them like mourning the loss of of nature and their lands and things, and like. Just I, I mentioned it because there's just another Bowie yeah. video that was like was kind of heavy. And then the video for Dancing in the Streets with <laughs> David Bowie and Mick Jagger. Uh -huh. That's just a very weird, very silly video too. It's just a playful romp, isn't yeah. it? That's what I remember. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. Maybe we'll talk about that next time. But also, like both of them, just both of these very talented individuals, just like the choreography such it is it is that view is just terrible like yeah like, you think like even if they were self-choreographing it should be much better than, than yeah what I've, it is. I've seen i also saw a um a stevie nicks video the reason i'm seeing these videos is because there's this on my antenna there's this weird set of channels called loop and it's like below fox which is the last local station mm -hmm. and they're just and then it's like loop 80s loop 90s loop 2000s and it's cool. just music videos and wow. so sometimes when i'm watching the local news and the commercial comes on and i'm like i, I don't want to wait through this commercial i'll just flip down it's just, just down one you'll just take and a it's loop. loop 80s and then it's take it for a loop uh what's this um stevie nicks is a solo song um rooms on fire no <laughs> This is the dumbest quiz ever. Okay, Stevie Nicks solo song Just from the, the early. No, um, I'll have to think of it. It was a Stevie Nicks video where she's got dancers in the background. Just like my podcast partner sings <laughs> songs. Sounds like he's the worst choreography. Matthew, the Matthew. the cringiest choreography. More cringeworthy than my my podcast parody parade. <laughs> Uh, you know, it seems like we need a poem to kind of wrap this thing up. Oh, is it time? Any, wow, just the, got night, anything. the night do fly by, doesn't it? We, well, I mean, we're definitely out of things on the show sheet. <laughs> We've long been out of that. Um, a happy 30th, happy 30th birthday to Nirvana's Nevermind. Man, that was a big album. Yeah. I remember being at Hastings on 19th Street with Matthew Roy and Matthew Roy talking about how it was pretty weird that I was buying an album with a naked baby on it. And uh, and I was like, 
Oh, this is supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be pretty good. Turned out to be pretty good. I read good. about this. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then a week later, every single person I knew had that record. <laughs> it was a huge, huge record. <laughs> for for good reason. Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot with the poem. And I would be doing some jazzy stuff with the robot right now. Except, it. I think it is apparently... It needs servicing. I don't know. And I don't mean that kind of servicing, Ike. Um, <laughs> just, you know, somebody with a, a light touch with a solder gun could just reconnect the power source. Hey, if uh, you're out there, get at us if you're able to reconnect the power source. R.I.P. Michael K. Williams played Omar on the wire. Right. Uh, there's a really incredible... Uh, Fresh Air, Terry Gross remembers him. Mm -hmm. She plays two different. She plays an interview that she did with him kind of in like the second or third season of The Wire. And then she plays another interview that she did with him after The Wire was over. Okay. Uh, and so, so good. I will check um, that out. Yeah, he's really something special. Really smart, really cool dude. Did you ever see, I'll put it up on the Facebook. Um, I'll find the link. Did you ever see the, it, it was like a mini, a very short film, like a, like a minute and a half film that he made where he was talking with himself and uh -huh. all of the different characters that he played. Uh -huh. There was like Michael K. Williams. There was like Michael K. Williams, the thug that he sometimes played Michael K. Williams the, and all the different kind of stereotyped black men. And he was, so he was having a conversation with himself about this stereotyping, what it means, whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, you know, bad idea, super cool. Okay. Um, That's also something I could probably find on the interwebs. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it, I'll put a link to it up on the Facebook. Anyway, amazing. You're like, amazing. Matthew, it's all on the interwebs. More, uh, more than just an actor. He's a great actor, um, but also just a really, a, a beautiful mind to like questioning philosophical, uh, amazing, amazing mind and, uh, an incredible life story too. Uh, all comes up, all comes up. I'm sorry to hear about that. Yeah. Uh, drug overdose. You always sort of wonder if that's like, I mean, I guess to some extent addiction all gets us there eventually where it's like, is it the sickness or, or were you, <laughs> were you trying to get there or was it an accident? You know, was he just trying to get high and was he just trying to make all the pain go away? You know, I think with, there are certain kinds of addictions that are just with you your entire life and yeah. Just like podcasting comes back. That was a terrible joke. Uh, and I think that he was beholden to one of those, you know. You think it was heroin? Generally, yeah. Generally, usually, yeah. The, uh, usually smack. The opiate derivatives. Horse. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, on a brighter addiction note, the 10-year taper is still going great. I'm moving into a phase of... Just two days a week do I have a taste of booze. Yeah, I was wondering about that. And so the final goal is, is total 
that seems is to the, me like is the final goal to not drink any booze. Like if you got it down to one night a week, it seems like that would be just fine. Maybe I, that, even healthy. I, I don't. I don't really think that that is my goal. Like right now, I feel really great about where it's at, but then sometimes I'll have one too many drinks, maybe three, four. And then the next day, I'm just like, why, why am I doing that at all? Why, why am I wasting my time on that at all? You know? Uh, okay. You but, ready the, for... but then sometimes with celebration, it just seems appropriate. Yeah. When you're with people, you know. <laughs> my problem is that if right. I go without doing it for a while and then and then do it again, I still do it the way that I used to, even yeah. though I'm no longer... Yeah, you can't do that. Or that was like, well... You have to modulate that. At, at my uh, my birthday party, even though it was out in the woods last year, I remember, like, <laughs> like you know, obviously I drank a lot, and that was fine. And it would have been fine, too, except, like, I kind of, like, blacked out of a little, little, bit, little bit. And when I came back, too, I realized that I was sitting on a chair like eating the steak just like an animal with my hands. And then like, I just looked up and my dad and my stepmom are just sitting like right across on the other side of the fire from me, just like looking at their head. They, were, they were concerned. Kind of to the side like yeah. that. I was like, hey, sorry. Also, the steaks were so delicious and I, I'm not sure you were really enjoying them. Probably. Oh, I definitely was. Okay. I was indeed. Thanks, Dickie, for the sous vide. Uh, yeah, and this—that's what happens when you when you go too yes, long. Yes, your tolerance <laughs> changes for sure. Uh, okay. Uh, got a poem here called I Ten. Oh was, yeah, that you promised it last time, and you came through. This is a first on the show, folks. I wish the robot was here to celebrate. Go ahead. Interstate Ten. Nodding off while the exits go on forever, neck bending in an unconvincing yes. Yes, yes. An affinity for yawning is not sleep. Sleep ain't groceries. And if you were a game show, I'd be taking a nap right now. And eye light reminds me of the difference between daylight and other light. A camera couldn't catch your beam on my windshield. The greeting card quizzes me. Am I a victim of tonsillectomy? And as another barbecue whizzes by us, closed to the Texas night, Telephones talk to each other, but we just click a code of dots and dashes and mile markers to radios just out of range. Well, that was a good one. Thank you. I'm glad that we, I'm glad that I asked you if you had a poem about that time <laughs> and place. Well, we love you. Please rate us, get at us. I don't think anybody's listening anymore. Do you think anybody's listening? They are. They're definitely listening. Okay. All right. Well, we'll I think uh, I, I regret your report that our Indian listenership seems to be dropping off. But the, the hard and there's still about 150 hard and heavy listeners, um, which to me, uh, that's, that's all of the success that I could have hoped for, honestly. Um, and so thanks to. Thanks to all of you out there who keep listening to us every week. And uh, yeah, definitely I would still encourage you to rate us, review us, and tell your friends about us and stuff. Um, but, you know, uh, 
we know we're not for everybody. They're they're <laughs> they're hesitant to tell their friends about us. Those of us who we are for, we're glad to do this for you every week. It means a lot to us. It helps us make sense of this crazy world. And uh, we love, like, you know, I've been really thinking lately about, you know, like kind of the old stories that come up that, you know, yeah, that I wouldn't have necessarily even thought about like that, like, like Tom Sawyer in the yeah. Atlantic City hotel room at dawn yeah. uh, that that summer morning was uh, uh, something that I, I do think about every now and then, but I rarely vocalize and telling the story out loud gives it a definition that it didn't necessarily have before. So that's exciting. So yes, thank you for everything. Thank you for listening. Brian, thanks for calling us art. <laughs> Brian said that we're like making jazz with our mouths with, word, with words. I think he meant making jazz. Making I don't jazz have my with words. Wait, <laughs> wait, I want to, I want to pull it up. Um, it was a delightful compliment. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's like it's like freeform jazz with words. Boom. Oh, Brian also got at us and let us know that I I couldn't remember the the three different characters that played the the female the hot female lead in in Three's Company. It was the characters were Chrissy and then Cindy and then Terry. I remember Terry was a nurse. <clears throat> also, yes, you create art. It's improvisational, experimental talking and creating. It's like freeform jazz with words. Art. Chat. Woo! Wait, the chat, that was me. That wasn't part of the Brian quote. Thanks, Brian. Uh, forward, a little bit of forward promotion. Look forward next week. I think uh, brother Dickie Hall will be joining us. That guy's got kids. You can't make promises like That's that. True. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. It doesn't matter. Nobody listens this far in anyway. Not even you. All right. Listen. The poor are the choices. The speed of the line. There's a better way